When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome into the DNVR Rockies podcast brought to you by Strava Craft Coffee. Strava CBD coffee will improve the quality of your morning since it's rich in CBD, CBG, and can help with chronic headaches, joint pains, IBS, so much more than that. It can be delivered to your door every two, four, or six weeks, and you get no coffee jitters if you happen to want multiple cups of coffee a day. Now new users can get 25% off your first purchase when you use code DNVR25 at StravaCraftCoffee.com. I am your host, Patrick Lyons, and on this episode of the DNVR Rockies podcast, we get back to a lot more Rockies-based topics. I know we're still dealing with the lockout here, but all of the Hall of Fame hubbub is over for the last two weeks, so it's time to really dig back in, start to look into what's going to happen here in the 2022 season, what kind of battles we could be looking at in the early goings of spring training, even though, well, we could still be a month out, but We're going to talk a little bit about youth baseball in Colorado today. The easy trade for the Rockies that they can make to help improve their roster. That top target for the Rockies when the lockout ends. And Fangraph's new top 32 prospects for Colorado. Who's rising in the rankings? Who's dropping? And what does it all really mean? But I I want to start with Saturday. I went to a really cool event up in Greeley. It's called Friends of Baseball. I think it was about their 35th year doing it. It's something that has gained some notoriety and maybe it's a bit nefarious at times. It's a a place where Rockies owner Dick Monfort has maybe put his foot in his mouth once or twice saying that prospect Trevor Story was still a year or two off and this was ahead of the 2016 season when he was vying for the NL Rookie of the Year award before missing out on much of the second half of the season with an injury and also predicting the Rockies would win 94 games in 2020 after not really doing much in the off season. But nevertheless, it's a it's a fantastic event that raises money throughout all of, of Greeley youth sports and, and, and baseball and softball. And it was fantastic seeing all of these, these young college players out there at the University of Northern Colorado. The Bears team was, was representing this fantastic fundraiser, got to spend some quality time with Thomas Harding and Manny Randawa, as well as Kurt Wells, who's He's the vice president of our Rocky Mountain chapter, someone who's actually worked with the Rockies with housing players when they would come to Denver. It's a program that they they don't use or utilize anymore, but Charlie Blackman lived with Kurt for a while, so those two guys are close. I think Matt Holiday even lived with him. Kurt's been, been pretty lucky with the big-name guys. I uh, got to have him on at some point. But Eric Davis was the big guest, a guy who was a a 40-40 type player. He had a good combination of of both power and speed. Injuries really 
bogged down his career, but Davis still managed to play in parts of 17 seasons, even missed his age 33 season when he essentially retired before coming back. Won three gold gloves, two silver sluggers, was was a dude in many ways for the Reds. Won a World Series, of course, in 1990 with the Reds. But there were a lot of UNC guys there, a lot of former Bears players who are still involved in Major League Baseball. Again, it goes back to the last two weeks talking about how the Rockies need a team Hall of Fame, not just to represent the Colorado Rockies from 1993 to present day, but the history of Colorado. And we know much of that has to do with the Denver Bears, which was a Cincinnati Reds affiliate. So got to hear some really great stories from Eric Davis, as well as Tom Runnels, who was a teammate with Davis for a period of time with the Reds. Greg Riddick, also another former Reds coach. I think he also was with the San Diego Padres for a period of time, managed there, worked with Eric Davis. They're very close. Jeff Bannister, new bench coach for the Arizona Diamondbacks. Another UNC guy was there. But I got to catch up with Tom Runnels and and listen a little bit about his time you know, with the Rockies and with commuting from Greeley into Coors Field uh, at, at a period of time that was, you know, there was a lot less traffic going on. In fact, he commuted from Greeley to Mile High Stadium back when he was a minor leaguer with the Denver Bears. But Runnels is a guy who was a bench coach. You might have remembered that name from 2009 to 2016. The bench coach for both Jim Tracy and, and Walt Weiss was actually one of only three coaches to ever manage the Rockies, along with Toby Hara, Mike Redman, and himself, of course. Uh, Mike Redman, you might have remembered, managed the team, I believe, right after the All-Star break when Bud Black had to enter, I think, like the COVID protocol portal where, you know, he, he had to be quarantined. I don't think he had it necessarily, but, you know, had to be a little bit cautious at that point. So that extended his All-Star break. And, and Mike Redman, the bench coach, was, in effect, the manager for a handful of games. So Runnels shared some really cool insight about baseball in Colorado, and he, he shared a really cool story about Larry Walker and, and their time together in Montreal. Actually, Runnels, I think, lived with, with Larry Walker for a period of time in the late 80s when he kind of came up as an honorary coach when Runnels was transitioning from the playing side to the coaching side. And eventually, Runnels became the manager at some point in 1991, was also the Expos manager in 92, before Felipe Alou got the job. But Runnels recounted a story against St. Louis when Larry Walker wasn't hustling early in his career. And everyone in the dugout knew. And as a new manager, everyone was kind of looking at Runnels to say, all right, what are you going to do about this young buck? So naturally, he waited for Larry to start trotting out to right field before Runnels called him back and put in Moise Salou. And as much of an impact as that had on his clubhouse and had on, on Larry Walker and they, they still joke about it now and uh, are, they're able of course to laugh about it. They're, they're still very close friends, but Joe Torrey and, and Ozzie Smith from the Cardinals on the other side of the field, they actually thank Runnels for doing it because they were actually having some hustling issues with one of their better young players at the time. So really cool event. Like I said, on, on Saturday, it, it's one of those things when you get an opportunity, sometimes you got to keep your, your eyes and ears going. Facebook is, is actually a, a pretty good resource for some of these kind of events, especially if you're, you know, a parent and you want to get your kids into, into some of these clinics. Clint Barmas was there also. He, he brought his kids. He was working a clinic there uh, for for several hours in the same spot that the banquet was 
and breakfast was located in. They just cleared everything out. Uh, and they had this clinic there with, with Clint Barma. So it was really cool getting to see him again and, and getting to, to catch up with him. There was a card show there. So uh, a whole big days event. I think there was even some kind of dinner that night. But nevertheless, it's, again, just fantastic baseball folks here in the city, in the state. And it was really nice to, to see them all together in one spot. Recently, there was an article by Mark Tompkins of the Tampa Bay Times where he reported that just prior to the lockout, the Tampa Bay Rays were getting a lot of trade interest in both Joey Wendell, who they would eventually end up trading to the Marlins for minor leaguer Cameron Meisner, a player who was not a top 100 prospect. But remember this detail, the fact that the, the, the Rays traded a all-star third baseman for a prospect that's not even in the top 100. They were getting inquiries on Wendell, and they were also getting inquiries on Kevin Kiermeyer. You know that we did publish an article on the DNVR.com on the Rockies side where we looked at how easy this trade can be for the Rockies to come together with the Rays, not only because Kevin Kiermeyer is owed about $14.7 million on his deal. We're talking basically 12.2 this season. There's a $2.5 million buyout. And if you keep him for 2023, if you pick up his option, then it's only going to be another $11.5 million more. So we're talking two years at $25.2 million for Kevin Kiermeyer. And when you look at the options, we'll get to some of the free agent options, but there's no player that you can sign of Kevin Kiermeyer's abilities for two years at $25 million. So that lines up really well. The Rays, I'm sure, would love to get that contract off of their payroll and they would love to get a crack at the Rockies and their prospects and say, you got Herman Marquez from us. We got to try to get one back from you. And the Rockies are going to be very aware of that, but I still think they could make a shrewd move here in acquiring Kevin Kiermeyer. Injuries could be a concern for him, but he did tell Topkin in this article from the Tampa Bay Times that he's doing good. He's, he's recovered from his arthroscopic knee surgery in early November. Topkin also mentions that Tampa's top priority is to add a right-handed bat who can play first base, is quote-unquote not necessarily a proven big leaguer. And even if that player is lacking experience, it hasn't stopped the Rays in the past as they did it with Yandy Diaz, the current right-handed hitting option at first base in the G-Man Choi platoon, lefty-righty platoon. He didn't have a lot of experience when they got him from Cleveland. And if you go back and check out that article, Colton Welker is the guy I think that could fit in that deal because he may not have a spot on the roster in 2022 for the Rockies. So you can you can add by subtracting here, if you will. Welker, Kiermaier, yeah, there may need to throw in a couple more pieces there. You might even be able to sneak off one of the raised many relievers that have several years of control left. It's very much an easy task to acquire Kevin Kiermaier here. And while that addition might not move the needle enough to put you in the range of one of these wild cards, one of these two wild cards as of right now, again, we'll see if the lockout opens things up immediately. You think it would. There's some things where in a new CBA, things kick into gear in 2023, or you start to see some changes in 2023. But with the playoffs and the postseason, they want to get at that money immediately. And... Kevin Kiermaier, even if we're talking three or four wild cards, that still might not do enough. So they're going to need to do more. Who else do they need to get? 
I'll let you know on the other side of this as Patrick Saunders is going to let you know who the Rockies have interest in after the lockout ends. But we've got interest in you coming down to the DNVR bar on the corner of Colfax, New York. Major shout out to everybody who came out to the Goaties on Saturday night. That was stunning. It was it was fantastic to be a part of it. So honored. RK, Adam, Eric, everyone behind the scenes too. Of course, Ali, Marissa, Yahir, Kale. They they crushed it on the production side. Everybody chipped in. Everybody did something, contributed. And everyone that was at the bar had, had such an amazing time, had some great laughs. It definitely felt like we were putting on some kind of combination, you know, talk show, improvisational comedy show, and and performance overall. It, it was really a lot of fun and, you know, stuff like that. We're going to try to continue to move the ball downfield when it comes to some outside the box ideas. But even when we're not doing that, we've always got watch parties going on for the Avalanche nuggets and you know the sound is going to be on so you're going to feel like you're in the arena you're going to get it pumped in so you know what's going down there's going to be some great giveaways that's there you get a bigger beer if you're a member that's going to cover the cost of a membership right there alone it's only 50 cents for your first month if you want to give us a test run but if you already know what we're providing with coverage of the broncos nuggets abs rockies as well as rams buffs DNVR Golf and Colton Strickler with DNVR Rugby. Well, guess what? Your annual membership is going to get you a free shirt at DNVRLocker.com. We've always got Breckenridge Brewery pouring down as the official beer of DNVR, and they're also our official hard seltzer. It's good company hard seltzer made by Breckenridge Brewery. You can pick it up wherever you get your alcohol. Get a 15-can sampler, honeydew, black cherry, absolutely delicious. Favorite part is profits do go to the national parks and conservation association this year to help prevent forest fires i love that they're donating some of their profits to this great organization don't forget you are always in good co get it co co colorado always in good co with good company hard seltzer by breckenridge brewery and it's monday morning right after the championship round in the nfl yeah that's right we are heading to super bowl 56 and make sure you check out DraftKings sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the nfl celebrating with huge odds boosts for new customers you know it's been 56 to 1 odds on any team throughout the postseason make sure you're using code dnvr for the next round here going into Super Bowl 56. And guess what? Don't worry. If you're not a new customer, you can still get in on the action with same game parlays. That's where you combine multiple bets for the same game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you can win. With DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, must be 21 or older, Colorado-only, new customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. We've got Bengals. We've got Rams in Super Bowl 56. And for some reason right now, the Rams are the favorite for this one. Say what you will about the Rams and Von Miller and being able to play at home. But I'm sure you noticed the sea of red in L.A. on Sunday. 49ers fans invaded SoFi Stadium. And Bengals fans will most definitely do the same and travel to L.A. for their first Super Bowl in 33 years. That's right. Boomer Esiason. Remember that name? You might not. Some of you aren't even 33 years old. 
33 years. 1988 was the last time Cincinnati was in the Super Bowl. So they will be descending on Southern California. And that home field advantage will not exist. So you're damn right. I'm taking the Bengals and Joe freaking Burrows at plus 160 right now for the money line as my DraftKings Sportsbook pick of the week. Act now because plus 160 will not stay forever. As I tease there, Patrick Saunders wrote up in the Denver Post about Kyle Schwarber being the target for the Rockies prior to the lockout. And that interest is probably not going to change once the lockout ends. Now, keep in mind, Kevin Kiermaier is not a Colorado Rocky just yet. Can't bank on that by no means. I think you almost have to jump through a lot more hurdles to acquire him than you do in a free agent like Kyle Schwarber. But right now, only Charlie Blackman is a guy you can lock into a spot in the outfield right now. We know that. You know, even without Schwarber, even without him, even with just Charlie Blackman in right field, we've got a somewhat of a log jam in the outfield right now with six players. Ryan Tapia, Connor Joe, Sam Hilliard, Jonathan Daza, Ryan Valade, and Garrett Hampson essentially battling over the final two spots in the outfield. Now, Valade has some minor league options, so okay, maybe he starts down in Albuquerque. Not a great precedent if he's tearing the cover off the ball down in Scottsdale and say, hey, you deserve a spot on this roster. You've earned a spot on the roster, but guess what? You've got options and these other guys don't, so we're going to send you down to AAA. That kind of sucks, but sometimes that's the game of baseball. Garrett Hampson can also play infield. So even if you take those two guys out of the mix, you've still got four outfielders for two spots. Now, Connor Joe does have two options, which is helpful, but that would also say a lot. None of it good if he has to start the year in Albuquerque. At least one of those players will be squeezed out either by trade, which Colorado has to get back to doing. No matter what it looks like, they need to rejoin the rest of MLB and start being creative with trades like we've seen them do in the past. Or... They may just have to straight up DFA, designate for assignment, or release one of these guys. And maybe injuries kind of settles that, right? Because you can't think that seven of your outfielders are going to be healthy for all of spring training. And if Blackman's the only one that is going to be healthy and you can pencil in the right field, six guys are going to be healthy? Probably not. It will sort itself out. Again, it's a good problem to have. It's a good log jam to have. But if you sign Kyle Schwarber, now you've, you've really got to do something and try to get something too for whoever's going to be the odd man out. Similar to like Mike Talkman, right? They, they got Philip Deal. Didn't really work out too well with Deal, but Talkman wasn't going to make the roster. So guess what? They got something for him. They got something for essentially nothing. And that you, you've just got to do that sometimes. And that, that's going to happen. Saunders also mentions that the designated hitter spot is one to consider, but Keep in mind, this isn't a new roster spot, right? It's the DH spot is another spot in the lineup. It's not a new roster spot. There's still only 26 spots on the roster. So we're, we're still looking at 13 pitchers, right? Five starters, eight relievers, and 13 defenders. The eight starters and five guys on the bench, except one of those guys on the bench is going to be in the lineup as the DH. And so you're only left with four on the bench. And you probably don't want to have just three guys on that bench with the DH in there. I think you could possibly see that at times. If pitching gets a little bit tight, you've got to get creative, which the Rockies have done in the past to get through a season. But I don't think there's enough room for those six guys 
that I named, Tapia, Connor Joe, Hilliard, Daza, Valade, and Hampson on the roster, in addition to Charlie Blackman, if you're also going to sign Kyle Schwarber. Now, the Rockies also had interest, we know, in Chris Bryant this winter, but Saunders said Rockies probably won't be meeting his asking price, and he's, he's absolutely right. Chris Bryant is a guy, very much like Kyle Schwarber, who is used to winning a lot and getting those postseason bonus checks that come in. And, and simply put, there is nothing more fun than winning. And, and Bryant and Schwarber, they are very much used to it. And, and Bryant is still very much a marquee name. So I think he's very much going to be out of the Rockies' price range. A lot of the projections show that Bryant is very well likely going to get more money than Trevor Story. Even if Trevor Story was healthy and you say, yeah, we don't have any worries about his defense at shortstop, you're still probably going to pay a former Rookie of the Year and MVP in Chris Bryant more than you are in a player that we know here in Colorado is incredibly talented and is a MVP quality guy in, in, in a good year, can be a top five candidate. But Chris Bryant every year is, is going into the season as a guy with strong odds to be in that top five or even top 10 in MVP voting. Michael Conforto and Nick Castellanos are two players also referenced in this article. But I, I shouldn't say it would be foolish because, again, Rockies know more than I do, right? They see things more than I do, but it is a very poor fit for Colorado to go after either Conforter or Nick Castellanos. And this is not because I'm any kind of hitting coach or I'm, I'm a great prognosticator and saying, well, you know, his swing plane is probably going to leave a lot of fly balls on the warning track and they're not going to go out. And so, you know, maybe we're going to have another Daniel Murphy situation. No. Bottom line is both of these players rejected a qualifying offer. So signing them would cost the Rockies a draft pick. And we saw how signing Ian Desmond ended up working out for the Rockies farm system. Not talking about on the field or in the clubhouse. We're not talking about those things with, with Ian Desmond. I'm talking about the fact that they signed a player who had rejected a qualifying offer. They actually lost the 11th overall pick at the time in 2017. And that's really where you started to see a major gap in the farm system, which we will get to in our final segment here. But 2016, you miss and whiff badly on Riley Pint. 2017, you don't get the pick until the compensation round with Ryan Vallade, and you lose out on all that money, and you don't get to play around with it and maybe convince a guy. You might be able to get a guy who's ticketed for college and convince him to come and play with you, kind of like Drew Romo. We're going to get to Drew Romo. He was a guy a lot of people thought, you know what, he's probably going to LSU in 2020, but the Rockies were aggressive with him. They, they showed him the bag and they, they got themselves a, a really good catcher for the future. And you can do that if you've got that financial flexibility that comes with having a high round draft pick or rather a, a high pick in each round, starting with the first round. Now, Chris Bryant and Kyle Schwarber are, you know, two marquee names. And you might even say, I'd rather have Bryant than Castellanos, and I'd rather have Schwarber than Conforto. Why don't you lose a draft pick for, for those guys? Well, they were traded midseason, and so they're not eligible to even be given the qualifying offer. So it's not that the Giants and Red Sox decided, eh, you're not worth it. No, uh, according to the previous CBA, which was active 
through the first part of this offseason, they were not eligible. So Bryant and Schwarber have to be the players that the Rockies should prefer over Conforto and Castellanos. The Rockies are a draft and develop team. Then they've got to nail the draft and they can't afford to lose draft picks before they even get them to help their on-field roster. I've got to tell you about the fast-acting and dissolvable gummies from Ripple. They are clinically proven to hit two times faster than the leading gummy. Ripple starts absorbing within 10 minutes, so you can depend on a consistent experience every time. With Ripple dissolvables, you can now make anything into an edible because of their flavor, because of their flavorless and dissolvable powders. There's also Ripple Quick Sticks, the most convenient way to get the fastest THC. Just pour it on your tongue. Simple as that. There's absolutely no sketchy science here either. Ripple's speed and absorption were studied by Colorado State University in a randomized placebo-controlled trial with real people. And yes, the results were published in a peer-reviewed journal. So where can you find Ripple and their fast-absorbing gummies? Well, look for Lightshade, Colorado's premier dispensary with 10, soon to be 11, convenient Denver Metro and Aurora location. Offering something for everyone, from the casual consumer to the connoisseur, Lightshade has a premium selection of cannabis concentrates, top shelf flower, edibles, tinctures, accessories, and more. Now podcast listeners can get 25% off non-sale items with code DNVR. Just shop online at lightshade.com for pickup or visit a Lightshade location near you. We love saving you money as shown by those 25% discounts we're giving at StravaCraft Coffee and Lightshade. Well, we also love companies that are trying to pay you and make sure you get a more than decent wage where you work. Right now, Ball Corporation is offering a competitive $27 per hour with potential increase for 6, 12, and 18 months on the job. It also offers exposure to a lot of other manufacturing opportunities in their plant down in Golden. This is a role with skills growth built into it. And many production technicians, which is what they're looking for, become maintainers, which is the next step up for the production technicians. Employees who've started out as production technicians have even gone on to other roles in operations in management. You've heard me say it before. They take care of you there at Ball with comprehensive insurance, active the day of hire, 401k for retirement, stock purchase, ownership program, potential for annual bonus. Text Golden to 77222 and you'll get linked to their open positions. You can also go directly to jobs.ball.com and search for Golden. That's jobs.ball.com and search for Golden. It's January 31st, but guess what? It is the most wonderful time of the year. Prospect lists are coming out and yeah, they might get you a bit heated, but they always get you excited for the next generation of Rockies players. Fangraphs came out with their list of their top 36 prospects published by Eric Longenhagen, who's been doing these prospect rankings for several years now. And the number 36 seems like it's a very weird number. And it is because they don't try to shoehorn in 30 prospects. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but they don't try to shoehorn in a magic number or even just give you 10. They look at it from the spectrum of future value. And that is the projection on the 2080 scale of how good a player can be. So if you have a future value of only 20, hey, you're an organizational guy and you're kind of just a body in the minor leagues. If you've got a 30, hey, you might get a cup of coffee in the majors. That's all right. If you're a 40, you might be a back-end starter for talking about pitchers. You might be worth less than 
one war and it goes up incrementally. If you're a, a 55, you might be worth 2.6 to 3.4 wins above replacement. And if you're an 80, we're talking future Hall of Famer, you're, you're greater than seven wins above replacement, which is almost impossible to put on a prospect because you never know if they're going to take that step from, hey, he's got all the potential in the world to, okay, that potential is showing up at the ballpark in every single at bat. And so Fangraphs really only includes the players that have a value of 35 plus. Now, this is for a player who's a back-end starter for talking about pitchers with an ERA around five. Again, that has a lot of value. You say, eh, wouldn't 50 kind of be average? Sure, sure. What What is an average ball player look like? Well, 35 says you're below average, so yeah, you might have an ERA of five. And guess what? These players can be valuable because they can have an on-field value of about a win above replacement. So these are notable players. They're not just guys to come up and say, hey, we need a body for a week because we've got someone injured or we're about to make a trade and acquire somebody. No, this is someone that can stick around and you know maybe bang around for a couple seasons at the major league level. So right now for the Rockies, that would be a player like right-handed reliever Gavin Hollowell, who was a sixth-round pick. So, all right, that's pretty good for a sixth-round pick. He's a reliever that should spend some time in a high-A Spokane in 2022. So that's a very reasonable projection. We'll also talk about increasing this future value and how this is not permanent by any means. This is just where the player is at at this point. Gavin Hollowell has a really good 2022. Next year, you might see him at 40 on that list. If he has another good one, might be 45. Julian Fernandez is another one of those players at 35 plus. We saw it in bursts last year. While you know he's got some electric stuff in terms of velocity, he's got to cut down on his walks, which you know he did fairly well in the minors this past season. For a position player that's 35 plus, that's essentially a guy who can be a bench player. Again, that has value. Ronaker Palma, player who is a catcher out of the Dominican Republic, young guy. He's the only one on the list from this season. That's a 35 plus. But if you go back to the 2018 list that Fangraphs and Eric Longenhagen put out, you saw a 35 plus player who, again, I said is a good bench player who could be worth a half a win above replacement. Well, if you go back to that 2018 list, the 35 plus guys were Jonathan Daza, Noel Cuevas, who you may remember, and Mike Talkman. You know, these are helpful players around the fringe that can be quality depth on the roster or, as was the case with Talkman, can be used as a trade chip. So again, that's not a put down. It's just where these guys are at. I would have killed to have been a 35 plus player. I would have killed to be a 20. Just put me on the scale. I'm an organizational guy. So you're saying I'm a pro. I'm getting paid to do this. I'm going to listen to anything and everyone in the organization because, you know, what? I might be able to transition and be a damn good coach. Maybe I become the next Warren Schaefer. So even being an organizational guy, hey, man, that, that's got value, not just to the organization, but in life. And so in both cases, whether we're talking about a 35-plus pitcher or batter, we're looking at a player who could be worth less than one win above replacement. So here are the biggest takeaways that I had from this year's list on the Rockies. There are 32 players. One is that the farm system we know is improving. Now, in now, in 2017, they had 24 players that were on their top prospect list by Fangraphs. Where was it in 2018? 22. 2019? 27. 
2020, 31, and now we're, we're seeing 32 here. And look, I, I, I hate to be the bearer of bad news here, but these lists are not altogether biased against the Colorado Rockies. They're not. Sure, the Rockies do not share information like most other franchises, which does make it harder for these evaluators, but they do not penalize the player. They do not penalize the team. They just might not have the information to be convinced that a player is going to be one grade versus the other or, or one future value over the other. But what, what that tends to mean is if they are getting additional information from another organization, that just means that they could get enough praise from that person from the organization that it convinces them to maybe better rankings or better future values, right? Hey, you've convinced me because you're talking to me. And if you're talking about like a top 100 list, that could be a difference of, of placing a guy as the 85th best prospect versus the 84th best prospect. So it's, it's not a lot and it's not anything that's actively thought of, of, well, you know, yeah, the Rockies didn't think of me. So I'm going to move this guy back one. No, if the less information you have, the harder it becomes to make this prediction. Right, players can fall through the cracks in many ways. We saw it in the 2018 Fangraphs rankings. Riley Pint was given a 50 grade, which means he could have been about a number three or four starter with approximately 2.0 wins above replacement. He's retired now. Same is true of Trevor Story. We know he wasn't a top 100 prospect, yet he's been one of the top 100 players in the game over the past six seasons. It works both ways. It works both ways. No one is out there looking to get the Rockies. These prospect predictors want to be right about everything. They they don't need to dunk on any of the Rockies players or even the organization as a whole. Maybe the organization, they can if they want to. You typically don't see that in these. I, I think they're making fair statements all, all across the board. These are very well-respected guys within baseball. But they want to be correct because this information that they write up lives on forever on the internet and in publications. They want to be right and not look wrong. So that's a major misconception about these lists. Another misconception is that these future values can't change. No, they can change in both a good way and bad way. Again, Riley Pint is an example of the bad way where you saw each year his abilities were essentially deteriorating to a degree, but they weren't getting any better. And you, begin to have more and more doubts about him. In the case of Ezekiel Tovar, he's gone up a bit each season. He was a 35-plus two years ago. Then he was 40 last year. And now, after a incredibly solid season in 2021, including a really good Arizona Fall League, he's now considered 45. And that means he's still below what the Rockies think he can be. And I'm sure if he has Tovar, it's probably below where he thinks he can be, right? They, they feel that he can get up in the range of 50, 55 and become, you know, an everyday regular shortstop, possibly above average shortstop that can be worth three wins above replacement. But he's yet to play in double A and he's got a lot more growth to make. I'll talk about that with Zach Veen as another big headline from this article, right? This is the good part. These are the big, good headlines from the Fangraph's top 36 prospects. Zach Veen's got a 50 future value hung on him, which means he's going to translate to an average everyday player worth 1.6 to 2.4 war. And yeah, that seems low when you consider 
what we already know about Zach Veen and what we know about a guy like Tovar. As, as I just mentioned, with each new level, a player's grade can go up another five, like we just saw with Tovar. 35 plus, then 40, then 45, now going into the 2022 season. It's why, for many reasons, why when you look at Zip's projections in, and you scroll through and try to find the top prospects for any team, those projections are not going to be very good because these players are still so far from the minors. Because they're still so far from the majors. They're just not ready yet. Zach Fien is not ready. He's not a big leaguer right now. And that's fine. No one expects him to be. But the translation is essentially this. If you bat 350 in rookie ball, you might only bat 330 in low A. And then 315 in high A. And maybe in double A AA and triple A, you're batting about 300. And by the time you reach the majors, it's 285, which, guess what, is still above average in 2022. It's just, it's just how it works in the game. So if, if Zach Veen continues to progress and moves up his future value each year, we're talking a 65 rating, which would be an all-star and possibly a top 10 to 15 player at his position. And that's absolutely what you hope. Another good big headline. From this article, Drew Romo taking a step forward, goes from 40 to 45 plus, worth about 1.5 wins above replacement, something you would most certainly take from a catcher, a switch hitting catcher, no less. We saw what Elias Diaz did this year and was one of the more valuable players as a catcher with both great defensive abilities and offensive skills. Romo did a great job keeping his strikeouts to a minimum which helped lead to a 314 batting average with Fresno. Super excited to see Veen and Romo together again next year. You have to imagine as they take the step forward to high A Spokane. Jordy Vargas, guess what? I've never said this kid's name before on the podcast. Have rarely talked about him out in the world with other Rockies people because he's brand new on the scene. They just signed him at the start of the 2021 season in January was only $500,000 in assigning great work done by Rolando Fernandez, Rockies vice president of international scouting and development. We talked about him a bunch two weeks ago with Drew Goodman, as we went through the amazing Academy that the Rockies have down in the Dominican Republic. But Jordy Vargas was one of the most exciting pitchers in the Dominican summer league last year. He's only 18 years old and was topping out at 98 miles per hour. Yes. Long and Hagen calls him, quote, an ultra-projectable, loose, strike-throwing starter prospect with a curvaceous breaking ball. How about that? And also adds that we're Vargas, a stateside high schooler. We'd be talking about him as a mid-first-round type of prospect. So again, Rolando Fernandez and his team, excellent job for scooping up Jordy Vargas Warming Bernabel, you know, similar condition, a 19-year-old third baseman from the Dominican Republic, 45. Yankeel Fernandez, similar 19-year-old left fielder from the Dominican Republic. Both had really good seasons. Hope to see them stateside in the Arizona Complex League in 2022. And also, Diane George, player that they shelled out $2.8 million, the most ever for an international signing, a Cuban shortstop who is also incredibly projectable, great glove, could be a guy that maybe at some point in his career does move to the outfield, but the Rockies have a lot of really good international players right now. It's been one area where I think they've been a bit light on 
in recent years. And if you say, oh, well, look at Ramel Tapia, look at Antonio Sensatella, those guys were signed in the early 2010s. When you sign a, a player at 16, 17, or even 18, who's an international player, or even if it's a high school player taken in the draft, it takes them four or five years just to get to the majors. And we've seen Tapia now for four years and Sensatella for four years. So it's been a while. It's been a decade since they were first signed. But there was a bit of a gap. There's There's been a hole within the organization. That's why they're, they're still a little bit light on the upper ends of their farm system. Go back and look at the record in Hartford and Albuquerque. It's just because the dudes weren't there. So it's still going to take some time for them to get to the majors. But again, Rockies farm system is trending upward. Got to say the same about Hunter Goodman. No relation to Drew. He is a 22-year-old catcher who is a fourth-round pick out of Memphis this past year. Has a lot of raw power. We'll see what happens with the bat. We'll see if he can still manage to do it defensively behind the plate. But is one of those guys who, but is one of those guys who could be a, a really great trade chip if you find yourself in the hunt. Or hey, he could be that guy who pairs with Drew Romo here in four or five years, and you've got an amazing tandem behind the plate. All right, finally, the not-so-good. Michael Tolia has got a 35-plus future value hung on him, 28th overall. If you're looking at the rankings throughout the farm system, and a lot of that just has to do with his performance in the Arizona Fall League. I thought he looked good. Defense is amazing. That wasn't really touched on too much by Long and Hagen. He mainly concerned himself with the fact that he was a little bit exposed with the breaking stuff at the plate. It's something that I'll have to address in the first half of 2022. Looking forward to seeing how Tom Suteris works with him, the hitting coach for the Hartford Yard Goat. So, you know, unless his power ends up going up to another level, not the minor league level, but to where, you know, those those Jim Tomei projections that I've I've kind of hung on him a little bit as far as the power is concerned. He definitely has the stance like him. He may have to go up two more levels. We'll see what happens on that. But you got to keep your eye on him as he starts the year. You got to think at Hartford playing some first base for the yard goats. Does he cut down his strikeout numbers? That's the biggest jump from high A from double A. That's the biggest jump that minor leaguers end up making. And so we'll see how Tolia does in 2022. Ryan Rolison now only at a 40 future value, 16th highest in the system. Seems to have lost some life on his fastball since being drafted, but we know he's got great control over his three pitches, so he's still a starter. Pitched pretty well over the pitch pretty well with Lysi during the Dominican Winter League. Had a solid 315 ERA. Over 20 innings and five starts, throwing to Brian Servin, the Rockies, essentially their number three catcher, the the third guy on their depth chart going into 2022. He's he's been behind Nunez on the depth chart for the last couple of years as that next heir apparent. If you need a third catcher on the roster, you got to think that at some point the luck's going to run out. Both Nunez and Diaz don't hit the IL once. Yeah, Brian Servin will be the next guy, and, and after him, Willie McIver. And by that point, you're going to see Drew Romo and maybe even Hunter Goodman behind the dish for the Colorado Rockies. But Ryan Rawlson with his 40 future value, it's somewhat fair right now because a 40 future value is a back-end starter, and that's right where he is right now with the Rockies as their number five guy. And you say, 
yeah, well, he could get better than that. Okay, yeah, he can. That's how these prospect rankings work. The players can get better, and then their future value or their prospect potential increases. And you say, hey, actually, this guy is going to be a little bit better, but where they're at right now is where they're at right now. So we'll see, and and, and we'll hope that Ralston can get a little bit more back on track and make up for some lost time because you know he lost all of 2020 during the pandemic, no minor league season. True of all minor leaguers, sure. But then he missed a lot of time in 2021. That's why you saw him in the Dominican Winter League because he had some unusual ailments like appendicitis. That was a big one. So we're going to be looking forward to, to see him rebound here in the early going. And, hey, he's he's in the mix for that number five spot in the rotation. And finally, Helchris Oliveras took a step back from 45-plus last season to 40. We got to see him in spring training, and he looked real good right as he was added to the 40-man roster, but just really couldn't get his command together. Command hasn't improved. He walked 68 guys in 100 innings, not to mention plunking 21 guys with high Spokane. But guess what? I'm okay with that, very much so, In from the sense that, look, he was three years younger than the league average, and the Rockies challenged him. Rather than put him in low A, they put him in high A. And I like that. I like that a lot. Now, because he's on the 40-man, he only has two more options. So this year, you know, and they might even decide it in spring training, kind of very similar to what they did with Lucas Gilbreth, but this could be his last shot to give it a go as a starter. And as I said, he could go into this season as a bullpen guy, and you might see him in the second half out of the bullpen, and that would be very exciting. That would be very exciting to see him coming out of the pen for the Rockies over the next six-plus seasons. You'd rather him give it a go as a starter, but look, time might be running out for that. We'll we'll see what happens as we go into spring training. But after having no left-handers in 2020, the Rockies are developing several right now in the upper minors with Oliveras. Yoan Ibar, a guy who's on the 40-man right now, who's acquired last offseason for Boston in a trade, as well as a Colorado kid I've been kind of banging the drum about a little bit, Reagan Todd, kid who went to Regis Jesuit, born in Centennial, Colorado, went to college at Colorado Mesa University in Grand Junction, got drafted and was told, hey, you need to report to rookie ball. Okay, you got it. I'm a pro. Where do I got to go? Right down the street where you've been used to playing at Sam Suplesio Field. How crazy is that? Didn't even have to give up his lease. So that's a story out there waiting for, for everyone to write about this spring. And certainly when he makes his major league debut this year in 2022, mark my words, you will see him. And, you know, a couple of the guys did take a step back. I won't say too much about Jamison Hanna, Eddie Diaz, who's no longer really a shortstop. He's kind of a second baseman, left fielder. Grant Levine and Aaron Schunk, too, which I was really surprised to see. There are a couple others like Chris McMahon, Adel Amador, even Colton Welker. But I'm, I'm not as worried about those guys as there's still plenty of projectability and upside for them. So as I said, it's prospect season. So I'm, I'm pretty stoked. I'm pretty stoked for more of these lists to come out and me myself, as I go down to spring training, get to put my eyes on some of these young dudes and see where they're at, get a feel from some people in other organizations from within the Rockies organizations. So we can bring you another top 30 projection like we did last year for the best Rockies prospects 
for the 2022 season. I know the lockout is still going on, but last week's news I feel like was pretty promising. And look, even if they don't agree to something till March 1st, guess what? We're a month away. We're a month away from this thing definitely going down. And guess what? It could even be sooner than that. So I'm getting hyped. I'm getting ready. I hope you all are getting hyped as well. Make sure you're following us on Twitter at DNVR underscore Rockies. I'm at Patrick D. Lyons. And head on over to the YouTube channel that we've got at DNVR Sports, especially if you want to get a breakdown on new Broncos head coach Nathaniel Hackett. But we've been doing some really great shows, had some fantastic production coming off on the Rockies side with having some amazing interviews with Manny Randawa, Julian Valentin, Drew Goodman, of course, as well as our broadcasters, Roundtable. Oh, and Tom Sushia, the guy who designed Larry Walker's plaque for the Hall of Fame. Yeah, that guy. Actually got to see his studio. So make sure you're checking that out at DNVR Sports over on the YouTube. Got some great shows lined up for you this week with some more exciting guests. So make sure you're tuned in as always. And leave a review too, wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm looking forward to going and starting reading some of those this spring. So Get yourself set up in the queue so you're there first, and I can give you that proper shout-out. So for DNVR Sports, I'm Patrick Lyons, and you know what they say about momentum? It's only as good as tomorrow's podcast. So I will talk to you then. The folks at Green Mountain Dental Group deserve to take some credit for all of the smiling Colorado sports fans around town, especially our DNVR listeners who've switched to Green Mountain Dental Group over the years to make them their permanent family dentist. Right now, when you schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam, you're going to receive a free Sonicare toothbrush from Green Mountain Dental Group, located only 15 minutes from downtown Denver.